Welcome to the Answers from Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalone. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. Before we start today's show, I wanted to let you know that Michael and his team have done something special for you. They've provided me with a copy of Michael's latest book, The Coaching Habit, to give away to a lucky listener. Listen through to the end of the show and learn how you can win this great leadership book. Today, our special guest is Michael Bungay Stanier. He is the author of a number of books, the latest of which is The Coaching Habit. The book he is best known for, with 90,000 copies sold, is Do More Great Work. However, there's one work he's really proud of, and that is End Malaria, a collection of articles about great work from thought leaders that's raised about $400,000 for Malaria No More and reached number two on Amazon. Michael also organized the Great Work MBA, a virtual conference featuring 30 world-class speakers and which had more than 10,000 registered participants. All of this is done as founder and senior partner of Box of Crayons, a company that helps organizations do less good work and more great work. Michael, what else do you want listeners to know about you? Hmm. They can't see me, but I'm a very, very good-looking man. I think that's important for everybody to know right away. Joe can see me. He's kind of shaking his head in despair. Um, what else do you need to know? So I'm, I'm Australian by birth. Um, you'll hear that maybe a bit in my accent for some of you. But I left Australia some 25 years ago, maybe a bit longer now. I, I was a Rhodes Scholar. I got to get to Oxford, which is kind of fancy and posh. But the benefit of going to Oxford was twofold. One, it stopped me becoming a lawyer because I would have been a very sad, unhappy, not very useful lawyer. Um, so it saved me from that career path. And more importantly, I met my wife at Oxford. She was doing a PhD. I was doing a master's degree in literature. She was living in a house with a bunch of other Rhodes Scholars. So I was hanging out there trying to impress them. And uh, it was pretty much love at first sight. Now we've been together for closing in on 25 years. So that's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, the rest of the stuff, well, it'll probably come out in our conversation, Joe. But remember, the key thing, very good looking. That's what really pe- people need to know. <laughs> All right. I think they'll keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. And what does leadership look like to you? All right. Let me ask, because, you know, you've been doing this podcast for half a year or so. You've asked other people that type of question. I'm going to turn the tables briefly and go, what does leadership look like to you, Joe? I mean, it's an interesting question. How do you think about it? My opinion of leadership is if you're able to influence someone else, you're a leader in their life. Right. Some people go beyond that. There's there's work leaders. There's, you know, just all sorts of varying kinds yeah. of leadership. Sure. So, you know, I just like to get the, for me, I like to get the opinions of my guests to see how yeah. their view of leadership fits. Yeah. So I, lo- I love that piece around influence. Um, but, of course, we all influence people all the time just by interacting with them. There's that degree of influence. So... For me, the question is, how do you increase your influence so that you're having as much positive impact in the world as you can? And so in an earlier book of mine called Do More Great Work, which you mentioned in the intro, um, I do set out this pretty simple model that says, look, there's three types of work in this world. There's bad work, good work, and great work. And bad work is kind of waste of time, life-sucking bureaucracy. Good work is like your job description, so productive and efficient and getting things done. But great work is the work that has more impact and the work that has more meaning. So more impact meaning it's, it's uh, 
focused on making a difference in the world, but more meaning, meaning it actually speaks to who you are and what your value are, values are and what you care about. And so you could say that one of the characteristics of leadership is helping yourself and helping those around you do more great work and less of all the other stuff. And when they, what that gets down to is, um, you know, the three attributes we talk about is what you need for great work is focus, courage, and resilience. Um, focus meaning, well, who am I and what do I care about? Um, but also focus being what are the opportunities around me that I could take, make the most of. Courage being willingness to actually start it and do it and try it, even though there will be resistance. And then uh, resilience is that whole piece about how do you keep going when, when stuff gets difficult. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, I mean, just thinking about this now, I'm going to give you three other words that are related but different. This, so there's clarity. I guess that's another word for courage, which is why are we here and what are we trying to do? There's courage, which is starting it. But I guess the, the third, the additional word I'd add, which is a bit new to focus, courage, and resilience is compassion, meaning you, uh, you care about those around you. Because, you know, there's pl- I think there's some studies out there that say in senior ranks and big organizations where you find leadership, you find, you know, a higher than you'd expect proportion of psychopaths. Because, you know, they're really good at clarity and courage and getting stuff done, but they just crush people underfoot on the way. And for me, that's a less interesting approach to leadership. For me, it's about how do you maintain compassion whilst also having clarity and courage. I love that description. I actually just interviewed Sandy Ash, who released the book Roar. Okay, I don't know that book. And it talked about resilience. Right. So the most recent podcast episode that was released talked about resilience and Cool. Oh, that is a key component of leadership. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, life's hard working. I mean, it's, you know, you could definitely say it's first world problems. You know, when the people listening to this are not Syrian refugees, they have a really hard life. But, you know, there's all sorts of things in just our working lives that chip away at stuff that make us a bit delicate, a bit fragile, beaten down a little bit. And so that resilience to stay strong to bend instead of break, Those, that's an important attribute to nurture and develop. I agree. And you just released the new book, The Coaching Habit. Indeed. How would you describe coaching? That's, a, that's another great question. You know, I, I did a fair bit of research trying to figure out what's, what's the, the definition of coaching. And um, what I discovered that anybody who's selling coaching has their own definition of coaching. So there's about 10 billion different definitions of what coaching is. Um, but I've got two, I'll, let me give you three ways of thinking about it. The first comes from a guy called John Whitmore. John Whitmore is one of the fathers of coaching. He's based in the UK. He's actually Sir John Whitmore. And, uh, you know, here's a definition that I think people like. And he says it's about helping people to unlock their own potential, helping people to learn rather than teaching them. And there's a lot tied up in that that's really useful. Um, When I think about it, and we talk about this a little bit in the book, we go, look, coaching has a a pretty simple three-step cycle in terms of how it works. What it does is it generates new insight. So new insight, and that often happens from asking a good question or two. New insight leads to behavior change, positive behavior change. In other words, action. People do something, and then that action leads to increased positive impact. So insight leads to action, leads to impact. 
and uh, um, and, and and when you go, well, what does what does that actually mean in terms of behaviour? Honestly, it comes down to this simple but difficult equation, which is how do you stay curious just a little bit longer, and how do you rush to action giving and advice uh, advice giving and actioning. Uh, a little bit slower because that's what I notice most people are wired to do is to leap into action, to leap to solutions and staying curious just is a little more helpful, a little more effective, a better route to great work quite often and that's how I think about coaching. I love that explanation. Thank you. As a leader, why should coaching be an important practice? Yeah, and the, you know this is a great question because often when people talk about coaching, it's all about this will be so good for the people that you're leading and helping and influencing, and it, and it will be. That's true. Um, and if you have that kind of servant mind, you know, servant leadership mindset, coaching can play a part in that for sure. But uh, and probably unfortunately, we're not really wired to be putting other people's needs in front of ours the whole time. That's not really sustainable. Here's the promise I want to make people who are interested in this and, and you know, get some insight through the book perhaps, is that it's about actually helping you work less hard but have more impact. So, you know, there's a bunch of people who are probably listening to this, Joe, who are like, yeah, coaching. You know, I'm not that big a fan. I've had, I've been coached and it was kind of mediocre. I've been to some coach training, also kind of mediocre. And honestly, it just feels like some weird HR initiative. And honestly, I'm busy with my real job. And what I'm trying to get people to see is, look, first of all, coaching is not some weird HR cult thing that only touchy-feely people can do. It's actually just a way of showing up and being with anybody, just a little bit more curious, a little slower to the rush to action and advice. It's also not about adding to what you currently do. I mean, everyone's got their full-time job, which is 50 or 60 hours. Nobody has time for the, you know, here's your bonus activity, coaching. It's about transforming what you currently do. And the reason you'd go through that effort of transforming what you currently do, so your interactions with people, your current interactions, become a little more curious and a little less advice-based and action-based is that you actually spend less time fixing things, solving things, jumping in, trying to help, and you actually empower and give others autonomy and self-sufficiency and courage so that they can do more great work, and also you don't have to do their work for them. I notice you keep mentioning the word curious in the co- yeah. about coaching. What is it about curious, being curious that helps a leader coach better or get better results from coaching? Yeah, it, it comes back to that, that cycle we were talking about, about insight leads to action, leads to impact. And, you know, how you generate insight in people, um, it doesn't really work when you tell them the answer. I mean, this is what's annoying for all of us, which is it'd be great if you could tell people and they'd actually go, yeah, that's true, aha, I get it, and I've now learned from you. But honestly, most advice just kind of floats in one ear and floats out the other. It doesn't really stick. What does stick is when people have a chance to reflect on what's just happening and generate their own insight. I mean, it literally creates more potential in people. You can actually see the new neural pathways being formed and the new neural connections being made. So that's the power of questions is it drives curiosity. Well, it's the essence of curiosity and that drives new insight. You also mentioned that leaders feel like coaching adds another layer to their to their workload. 
Yeah, you know, sure. And, and, you know, it's, it's another... That's a burden. Yeah, it's yeah, another like, burden. Another obligation, another expectation. Everyone's like, oh, I've got so many of those. Right. Um, and are there any other re- reasons why leaders have a hard time developing the coaching habit? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the biggest reason is that they've just had, you know, 5, 10, 15, 40 years of experience telling people what to do. So there's just some very deep habits, reflection, reflective behaviors around, I'm just going to tell you what happens now. This, here's the answer, as opposed to staying curious. So trying to shift that old habit is a key part of it. More subtly, though, there's something about when you're giving advice, you are actually kind of staying in control maintaining the kind of high status role in the conversation, feeling better about yourself. It's like, look, my advice isn't very good. Nobody's really following it. But look, I'm the smart one. I'm in control. I know how this conversation is going to work. And when you ask questions, even though it can be much more powerful, um, you're actually in a place of more ambiguity, more uncertainty. You've given them control, them status, them the authority in the conversation because now they're figuring things out. So it's a less comfortable place for us to stand as well. Yeah, that can be scary, not knowing yeah. the answers. and Exactly. You ask a question and you're like, is... what the hell is going to happen now? <laughs> what are they going to say? Where is it going to go? Um, am, I, am I adding value? Uh, do they know what the hell is going on? You've got all of that swirling around. So honestly, at the heart of this building this coaching habit, which is you know, the name of the book, there's a degree of self-awareness and self-management built into this. How can a leader manage himself during that feeling of confusion or uncertainty or fear of, hey, what's going to happen next? Um, practice. <laughs> it's practice. It's, you sit there with the discomfort. You notice how uncomfortable you feel. You see that if you can bear another one or two seconds of silence as they struggle with the answer. And in the book, in one of the chapters, we talk about something called the drama triangle. And it's a great lens, a great model to help understand when relationships get a bit dysfunctional. And you know, we don't have time to go into it in, in a whole lot of depth, but the basic insight is when things do get dysfunctional, three roles play out, the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. And all three of those roles actually have some advantages to playing them, but in typically they, the cost, the price of paying them is greater than the advantages. And so once you understand how the drama triangle is currently influencing the way that you work, you start seeing why being more coach-like can be a powerful way of behaving and showing up. Right. And also in the coaching habit, you mentioned the 3P model of coaching. What is this model? What is the 3P model? Well, look, it's, about, it's a way of deepening the conversation and deepening the focus in a conversation. You know, when somebody comes into your office or your cubicle or on the phone and they start talking about something, the challenge they're up against, they're typically talking about the thing. This is the challenge. And the 3P model allows you just to explore different aspects and potentially get a little deeper into the conversation. So the three Ps, here's what they stand for. There's project there's people, and there's patterns. Project, people, patterns. So project is, that's the content you're working on. That's where most people go. That's where most people stay in any one conversation. People is about discussing the relationships that are involved and how they might be playing into it. And honestly, any problem you're having in a challenge, it's kind of the project, but more often it's the people behind the project that's causing the the, the the difficulty. 
And the third level is probably the deepest, and it's patterns, which means your own patterns of behavior. How are your own patterns of behavior potentially getting into the way of you actually having the impact you want in this particular situation? So knowing the 3P model just allows you to make sure that there are other avenues you can check in around just to make sure that you're getting closer to the heart of what the real issue is. Okay. So is it kind of like a three-step process? You start with the project, then you go to the people and the patterns, or... Do, uh, do I think it's got more more flexibility than that. So you know, because they could start on who knows the patterns or or on the the people things, and it just allows you to go if it feels useful to flesh out what else is going on in this particular challenge, so that you know they start with oh God Joe is driving me crazy, and you know you'll be able to reply you know how's this familiar pattern for you? How are you contributing to this? What impact is this having on the project? So now you're talking about both project people and patterns. Got it. That, that explains yeah. it a little bit more clearly. Makes Good. a lot of sense because, yeah, we can jump from different areas and you don't know where, where you're going to start, where you're going to end. Right. Right. Exactly. What kind of questions should we ask in a coaching session? I mean, should we ask the same questions, different questions? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, a big question. Um, and the starting point is to go ask questions in the coaching session, you know, and don't even, you don't even have to call it a coaching session because remember this is for any interaction, any intervention. It's like ask more questions, stay curious longer. Um, but in the book, what we do is we offer up seven essential questions that we think are really key, powerful, foundational. And our thought is that if you master some of those seven questions, if you make them a regular part of how you interact, you will lift your game as a leader, as in a manager. And you can just use these same questions time and time and time again. They, they work. They don't wear out. And what we know through some actual research, but also just being tried and tested, is that these are questions that will work most of the time with most of the people in most of the situations. So you don't have to, I mean, when I started in this world of coaching some 15 or 20 years ago, I started collecting questions. And, you know, I was like, here's my collection of 700 awesome coaching questions. And, you know, they're all good. But you can't learn 700 questions and they can feel a little bit daunting. The, what, what matters most is that behavior change to how do you stay curious longer and move to advice giving slower. And what's nice about having just seven core questions like there are in the book is that it makes it feel doable rather than you have to memorize 800 questions to make that happen. I can understand that. that the, the more questions seems very daunting. So right. nice, easy, digestible number. Right, exactly. And is there one question that you would say is the best coaching question to ask? Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that cunning thing of putting this back to you, which is, so I do have a, I do have a favorite question, and I'm going to I share it with you. I think it's the best coaching question in the world. It's number two in the book. It actually has an acronym. It's AWE, so it's literally an awesome question. But, John, I'm curious, you know, you're, I mean, you're a podcaster, amongst other things, which is all about asking questions. Um, but in you and your work in your life, do you find that you've got a favorite question that you like to use or seems to have the most impact? Oh, boy. You see what I'm doing here, everybody? I'm making him sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm becoming comfortable with silence right now. So. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Oh, 
I can see Joe over the video. Uh, everybody's hearing this on audio, but Joe's stroking his impressive beard and looking up at the ceiling. And actually, while Joe is thinking about this, this is a this, it's a great experience because what's useful as a learning point is that when you ask a good question, one of the tests can be how quickly do they have an answer for it. And if you see them actually stopping and looking up at the ceiling and kind of figuring stuff out, that means they're learning. That means they're making new neural connections. That means that they're actually being taught something here and expanding their capacity and capability. So sometimes when we ask a question and there's a silence or a pause, we feel like we've failed. Um, but quite often, it's actually a measure of success. So, Joe, I'll, I'll give you your couple a minute or so thinking time. I'm, and, you know, there's no right or wrong answer here, but if you had to pick one question that you like, which one, which one would you go with? I like to ask people, how else can I help you? I love that. Because it, it shows me what other areas they're struggling in. Lovely. And it gives me an idea of where I need to step up and yeah. be more of a leader. That's fantastic. I mean, one of the questions in the book, we call it the lazy question, is actually how can I help or what for me, in a kind of slightly blunter version of that. But I like that variation, how else can I be help you, which is I'm already being helpful, but where else are you looking for support that you may not have the courage or, or even the knowledge to ask for? And then you've got an option to actually jump in and help them out with that. So for me, the, the, the most powerful coaching question in the world, my favorite, I guess, is uh, simply the question, and what else? A-W-E, and what else? And what I love about it is it, it, it makes any other question better. So Joe goes, how else can I help you? And he gets an answer. And then he goes, good, and, and how else can I help you? And how else? You know, what else? What else could I do? What else could I do? And what you're doing there is you're actually just being aware that the first answer is never their only answer, and it's probably, it's rarely their best answer. So staying curious just a bit longer, and what else can actually help you extract some deeper insights and better answers from that other person? That's a fascinating question. Like you said, it keeps picking at the problem or picking exactly. at the issue. It, it supercharges the curiosity that you already have, and it keeps you in that place of curiosity at the same time. Is there a certain amount of times you should ask that and what else question? Uh, no, um, but but generically it would be more than you're currently doing. <laughs> um, I do have a pattern that I find that I fall into. I go, you know, Joe, uh, so what's the real challenge here for you? And what else? And what else is a challenge? And is there anything else? And so by the third question I'm often asking, is there anything else? which is kind of a, a, look, look, I'm kind of wrapping this up now, but unless there's more to be said here. So it just invites the conversation to an end without actually shutting the door on it. I like, I like that method. Yeah. What do you wish you would have known about leadership or coaching, say, 10, 20 years ago? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, because I, and I'm not a great one for reflecting in the past, A, because I have the memory of a goldfish, so I can barely remember what I was doing 10 or 20 years ago. But secondly, it's like, you know, you can't change anything about the past anyway, so be here now and, and look to the future. But I guess one of the things that I'm increasingly aware of is 
leadership and coaching, it, it feels like it's about other people, but so often it's actually about you and how do you step up and how do you break old patterns and how do you get to the next level. And then the impact on others is kind of a bonus, but it's a, it's a self game rather than an others game when you think about leadership and as a subset of that, of, of being more coach-like. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with listeners? I mentioned that I was very good looking already, so we've got that kind of covered off. Um, I'm also modest. You can you can see that probably coming through. Um, <laughs> um, all that all that's my attempt at. I'm also not very funny, although I think I'm funny. You can see that playing out as well. Um, y- you know, uh, all of this stuff, leadership, coaching, resilience, all the stuff that Joe covers in his website. Uh, and in his podcast, what's good news is it's all pretty easy, um, or I should say it's all pretty simple. You know, what we're uncovering here, what I feel like I've done in, in the, the new book, The Coaching Habit, what I read in other books is I tend to phrase it as it's old wine in new bottles. It's like this is not like nobody's discovered the power of questions before and I've I've had a breakthrough. It's like, you know, we call it the Socratic method because Socrates, X thousands of years ago, was going to ask more questions, give a little less advice. Um, but just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. And for you to master these skills, it takes deliberate practice, deep practice, and habit building. So I'd suggest that if you, if you're, if you don't really know about deep practice and deliberate practice and um, uh, uh, building habits, then that's a place to start looking because those are the foundational blocks of behavior change. And you have, look, there's a ton of great resources out there. I mean, Charles Duhigg's book on habit building, the power of habit, really great. Um, actually, on my website, thecoachinghabit.com, there's a, an ebook that I've got there called The Six and a Half Coaching Gurus, but it's actually about habit gurus, people who talk about behavior change. Um, there's a new book out there. I think it's called Peak by Eric Anderson, perhaps. Uh, he's kind of the guy who gave Malcolm Gladwell the inspiration for the 10,000 Ideas Rule. Um, so there's a lot of good resources out there. Go and find them. Find the ones that work for you and master the, the, the discipline and the strategies for changing your behavior because that changes everything. Fantastic closing advice, Michael. Um, you already mentioned your website. Is there any other ways listeners can connect with you online? Well, there's, as I said, there's the, the coachinghabit.com. That's, that's the book's website. Ton of free stuff there. So feel free to jump on and pillage all the free stuff if you'd like that. Um, if you're interested in what we do for corporations and we give busy managers practical tools so they can coach in 10 minutes or less, the information there is on our kind of corporate website, which is Box of Crayons. Dot biz, B-I-Z or B-I-Z. And then I'm on LinkedIn, Michael Bungay Stanier. I'm the only Michael Bungay Stanier. Bungay Stanier is actually my surname. Um, and on Twitter as well, at Box of Crayons. All right. Thank you, Michael, for being on the show today. I'm really excited to share it with the audience. They're going to find new ways to coach today. Brilliant. Joe, thank you for having me. I appreciate the thoughtful questions. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Answers from Leadership podcast. Interviewing Michael Bungay Stanier was a lot of fun, as you can probably tell from the jokes he cracked. However, he also provided us with a lot to think about regarding coaching and leading others. 
In this interview, you should have learned why coaching is important to leaders, the most important coaching question, and what the 3P model of coaching is. To get the show notes and to enter to win a copy of The Coaching Habit, head on over to jmlalone.com slash 016. There you will find tweetable quotes, brief answers to the questions, and much more. While there, would you click on the links to iTunes or Stitcher and consider leaving a rating and review for Answers from Leadership. This helps other leaders like yourself learn about the podcast. Well, until next time, continue to lead well.